Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Chord Chronicles. What is this, episode 21? Yeah, 21. 21 weeks of this. 21 weeks of music. And I don't know if anyone else is following along, but this is a really good week. I'm excited to talk about these al- albums. Well, most of them. <laughs> most of this. <laughs> I'm excited to see what you think, because I feel like this week we may not be completely in agreement. We have different tastes this week, I believe. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I guess you are you are free to be wrong, so. <laughs> I mean, I guess you don't always have to be right, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just usually. So. <laughs> I hope see, everyone has I, had. See, I already told everybody we were going to disagree. <laughs> oh, see. <laughs> well, I hope everyone's had a nice week, you know, long weekend offs. Those of you who actually do celebrate Thanksgiving, you know, the international listeners, you may not. Hopefully you get some other day off, though, because it's nice to have that little bit of time to just relax. Relax is not what I've done. (laughs) (laughs) No. So, it's been really busy trying to take care of stuff, trying to get things set up for Christmas. That just didn't happen. The COVID situation is really close around here. It's pretty, uh... Just right there. <laughs> so hopefully, you know, things will pass through and everything will be all right. So, but I hope everyone else out there has had a safe, you know, Thanksgiving. Like you didn't spend it with a lot of family and, you know, I know everyone wants to. Oh, yeah. Of course we want to. Of course. But you just can't right now. I mean, the numbers are obvious. So, and just stop disbelieving it because it's not going to go away. And hopefully those vaccines work and they are, you know, on their way. And hopefully soon everyone will get them. Uh, I guess we'll just see about that. But we're not here to talk about that. We're actually here to get away from all that. Which is why music is so great. You can just sit back, listen to it, not even worry about the problems. But how have you been this, this weekend, Amy? I have really enjoyed having a few extra days off of work and I'm not quite ready to go back tomorrow. Let's just put it that way. But but I did enjoy the music for the week. Oh yeah. I mean, it was full of ups and downs. I mean, like it usually is. It can't ever be just a whole week of five-star albums. That would just be insane. (laughs) That's what happens when you review everything. But there are some really big names that we're getting ready to talk about. I can't at least <laughs> say biggest. that. The biggest. Yeah. So <laughs> this was a really exciting music release week. I would say that in 1970. If you were actually buying albums like that and you had to pick which albums, it would have been hard. Oh, yeah. Without listening to them first. So just on name alone. But actually, I'm just going to jump right into it. We're starting October 2nd. 1970 and that's Pink Floyd's Adam Hart Mother I mean I've obviously listened to lots of Pink Floyd but I've never listened to this album maybe a couple tracks on it there's a couple of the the songs that are on side two actually I say that because one side of this is one song (laughs) just very Pink Floyd just very Pink Floyd to them just to put a 23 minute long <laughs> classical piece 
I mean, it's a classical movement full of what, what, like four or five first what I can't yeah. remember how many movements. Eight? Yeah, I don't remember. There were four or five, <laughs> I, was, I think. I don't remember. Just, just quite a few, actually. But this is actually their fifth studio album. Came out right after Umaguma, if anyone is familiar with that album. We, uh, we missed it by a little bit. It's not my favorite Pink Floyd album. I will say this. Sid Barrett was in the studio during a lot of this recording of this record. And we've talked about all the troubles with Sid Barrett. So that's kind of interesting just to note. And this is actually Pink Floyd's first album to reach number one in the United Kingdom. Which I found that pretty interesting. So this is the beginning of their big success over there. Yeah. And it, it only reached number 55 in the U.S. But it, it did make it to gold status. I mean, that's 500,000 plus copies sold. So it was pretty successful. Yeah. yeah we'll give it that. And 55 so, isn't terrible. So. Oh, no. But but not when, when I'm thinking Pink Floyd, I'm thinking top 10. Oh, yeah. Really. I mean, later on is when their big success starts coming in. Yeah, uh, no, I did say, well, like I said, side one is one track. I mean, it is 23 minutes. It's like the title track, Adam Hart, Mother. And, I mean, it's long. It's actually six. I looked it up, and it's six different uh, what, movements, I guess is what you would call it. I, I wish I knew my classical music. We, we should have uh, Mr. Beatty. Oh, that would uh, be great. <laughs> our elementary music teacher. Best music still, teacher ever. <laughs> yeah, we should actually have him on here if we do have any classical or anything like that. Just anything like that on here. Very uh, well-spoken, very just kind man. So, And a good teacher. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But I guess I did. Uh, this was a little before, before we learned that. <laughs> about classical and movements and things, but he would know this. So, yeah, I think he would. Anyone else? Well, if anyone else can out there is following along, you can chime in at Chord Chronicles on Instagram. Let me know. You know what would this be titled? I mean, it is one long track, but it has little subsections in Roman numerals one through six. So I'm guessing those are movements, and it is it does have a classical feel to the song, but it's still parts of it do have that traditional kind of well, uh, spacey, psychedelic Pink Floyd vibe to them when, he, when they come in with the guitars. I, I like it, but it's not accessible. I mean, no one has 23, almost 24 minutes to sit down, and you have to because there's no singing in it. So you have to sit down and just listen to it. Now, when you, when you switch it to side two, that's where each member had their own track. And most of this is acoustic on side two, which I thought was pretty interesting. You know, an interesting way to go at it. And like the first three songs, I'm just going to list them because there's only four. If is Waters, and he's, he does lead vocals. They all provide lead vocals on their own particular track. And I mean, I guess I can go ahead and Real quickly, if everyone doesn't know the personnel on Pink Floyd, you know, Pink Floyd is, in, in this incarnation, Roger Waters, David Gilmore, Richard Wright, and Nick Mason. 
in case anyone didn't know. Well, like I said, Roger Waters wrote If. And it's a ballad. A almost like a traditional English, I don't want to say lullaby, but it's really, really peaceful and comforting. And I, I liked it. But not it, it has it's nothing to do with side one, though. So I thought that was kind of interesting. It was just weird. And next you have Summer of 68, and that's Richard Wright's song. And I I thought that one was, it's a pretty good song, but it, it actually wasn't my favorite. And then you get the David Gilmore's track. <laughs> Fat Old Son. <sighs> I don't know, like... It's definitely not the best David Gilmore track. I can I can say that. I thought it was more filler. And then finally, <laughs> you get to their collab track, Alan's Psychedelic Breakfast. This one is very psychedelic, like the title states. And it is their road manager, I think, Alan Styles. It has him, like, just his vo like, voice. It's, he's talking per making breakfast and they're playing music and everything in the middle of it basically and they're experimenting with making using sounds just different sounds because i believe i don't know exactly when it might have been around this time they were talking about making the only the album not using instruments i can't remember what it's called household items i think is what it's called uh, maybe I I don't think it ever came out or it came out later on it was re-released but I believe that's the name of it so I think that's this Alan psychedelic breakfast is the birth when they started really trying to just use noise in it but I love Pink Floyd and it was hard for me going into this because I expect a lot but I also know Pink Floyd has their ups and downs so I didn't know which way this was going to go for me. Um, I liked it, but I don't want to give any star ratings out until I hear what you say about it. So I'm going to turn it over to you, and uh, then we can give stars on it. Alright. You know, I may have mentioned before on here, I know that you know, I really like Pink Floyd. I always have. The older I get and the more I listen to them, the more I like their stuff. This is still fairly early for the band. You know, I think of Pink Floyd for their stuff that started, I think, around 73. So a few years to go before they get to what I really think of as, you know, Pink Floyd. And they don't sound quite like that yet. But they are getting there. I think you can hear it in this album. The vocals aren't quite as hollow and haunting as they'll get in the future. But you can hear a little bit of that quality in them, it's just not as prominent as it will be in later Pink Floyd work. Similarly, the guitar isn't as bendy and wavy as it'll be later. That's my favorite thing about Pink Floyd, is David Gilmore's bendy guitar. But you can hear a little bit of it in this. You know, I kind of feel like they were still becoming Pink Floyd, the band that we all know as Pink Floyd. I actually liked Summer 68 best off of this album. 
because I think it most foreshadowed the future of the band. It had the qualities that I just mentioned. They still weren't as much of a focus as they would be later in the band's life, but it did sound like Pink Floyd to me. I think if I heard it on the radio, I would know it was them. I mean, maybe I have. It was a single. It didn't stick with me as much as, say, Comfortably Numb or Wish You Were Here or Us and Them, but it was good, I thought, and something about this album, that song in particular, did get Us and Them stuck in my head. So that's a good thing. I love that song. My least favorites were the longest songs, which makes sense for me. I did think that Adam Hartmother was good musically, but I agree, it was too long. Especially to basically just be an instrumental. You know, 23 minutes and 42 seconds long. The entire side one. It sounds good, but that's too long. And Alan's Psychedelic Breakfast. You know, that one also <laughs> took up almost half of side two. I actually did like the musical parts of it, but I didn't care for the speaking parts or the, the background psychedelic breakfast noise. That's not my thing. So... <laughs> And the album did get mixed reviews, but that was common for them. You know, I will say the band members don't look back on this album fondly either. I noticed that when I was looking this up. But I didn't really mind it overall. So, And that's all I will say until we get to our star ratings, and I'll let you give your rating first. I will also state that when they were recording this, this was right after they'd worked on Sabrisky Point soundtrack. So it has some of the similar characteristics that Adam Hart Mother. I'd say some of that. Yeah. Some of that could could be used in a movie. I, I could I could see that most definitely. But um much like uh Zabriskie Point soundtrack, it was a little lacking. This album's a little lacking. It's not bad, the production's not great. I think I even heard a remastered version and it's still not great. Side one is, is pretty good as long as you don't have vocals because I thought I thought if the vocals were too low now I understand you want them to be low but I don't want to have to strain to hear what he's trying to say to me he doesn't and he is very he is whispering whispering and maybe that's intentional on their part maybe I just didn't get it I'm just gonna tell you I like the song but I don't want to have to strain to hear him so I probably won't listen to it a whole lot but so, like I said, Pink Floyd for me, I love them. But when they have good stuff, they have really good stuff. And when they have stuff that's not so good, because I don't think they have anything that's bad. They just have odd stuff. But when they have stuff that's not so good or maybe odd, maybe that only makes it to about a three and a half for me. Especially not with the, the, the production bump, because the production's not great on this. So it only gets three and a half. This is a three and a half star. Lowest lowest score that I've given in a while, actually. So I felt weird throwing one out there like that, especially to Pink Floyd, but that's what it is. So, you know, what did you give it? You know, I agree. This is not as good as later Pink Floyd. It's just not. It is still on the good side of the line, the good side of neutral, I thought. And like you said, a lot of it was really relaxing to listen to. Not all of it, but a lot of it. 
And not in a way that made it hard to stay awake and focus on it, just in a way that made it good to listen to when I was feeling stressed. It helped ease that a little bit for me. So, I also gave it three and a half stars. I was tempted to give it four, because I do think the music is good, and I did enjoy listening to it quite a bit. But I'm probably not going to listen to it again. I'll just listen to their later work when I want to hear Pink Floyd. Because that later stuff does overshadow this one. So, three and a half it is for me as well. See, great minds think alike. And you thought we were going to disagree on it. <laughs> you just thought, you not... just think the best song is not the right, the right one. That's okay. <laughs> Summer 68 is the best song. It sounds like Pink Floyd. Oh. <sighs> I think it sounds like Pink Floyd, but it sounds like weak Pink Floyd. So that's why I can't say it's the best. I, I, you I don't sound know. weak. I do like the classical score. Maybe you just don't understand classical music. I guess one of us is cultured. <clears throat> yeah, it's me. Now. The next album, though. No, the next album, though. The next album, um is my favorite band so maybe i shouldn't give a review of this because it might be biased gonna be lots of bias creeping in here well that's understandable with this one though everybody's gonna be biased well this came out october 5th 1970 this is led zeppelin 3 it's not the best led zeppelin album i will throw that out there first thing but (laughs) it's hard to top led zeppelin 4 we're going to go ahead and just throw that out there. Led Zeppelin 4 is five star. If anyone <laughs> ahead of time, it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's what it's going to be. I don't think you that's going to surprise anybody when we get there and give it five stars. <laughs> no, no it, it's a five star album. So, but, you know, before I, you know, we're not, even, we're not there yet, though. We have a whole year. But this is a Led Zeppelin 3. This is quite a bit different than 4. So, more people, you know, a lot of people, I'd say a lot more people are familiar the songs on four than they are with three with the exception of a couple I will say that a lot of these songs are acoustic guitar and that's a little different compared to like four yeah I mean if I'm gonna continue on with that just for a minute you know like Led Zeppelin four is more heavy hard hard rock this this sets back a little bit it still has more of the blues yeah, a little bit of folk. acoustic folk yeah and they're using tradi- more traditional songs on this I do love the front cover I think it's really cool it's so eclectic look at it you know all the different little pictures that they use to try to figure out why they did it like the like there's a couple butterflies on there and it, it's it's pretty it's just it's kind of psychedelic I'm sure that's what they're you know they're going for but um, like I said, Led Zeppelin. Who doesn't? Who doesn't know Led Zeppelin? You know, I'd say you know this is probably their. A couple of these songs on here are definitely one of the so two other you know really popular songs. But I'm gonna go ahead and just get into it. Immigrant song. Uh, obviously, that's how the album starts. Which you think the way it starts that this album is gonna be more hard rock or heavy metal in a way it has that epic because this is about vikings it's the vocals <laughs> yeah uh, 
<laughs> you know, all that. Come on. <laughs> so, when, when they come in with the Immigrant Song, though, you feel like this album is going to be a lot harder than it is. Because once you get past Immigrant Song, there are parts of this song that get a little bit of rock going. This is a more subdued album. Like I said, more acoustic and everything. But, I mean, most of the time we don't go track by track, but I think this is a special circumstance. It's Led Zeppelin. Probably. Uh, like I said, Immigrant Song, excellent song. I mean, it's everyone pretty much knows it if you know Led Zeppelin. If you don't know Led Zeppelin, stop this podcast and I almost cussed. Even <laughs> using my one to stop well. this crap. I mean, if you're going to use it, then Led Zeppelin is a good time to use it. But, well, then you get into uh, the song Friends. That one is more ballady. I mean, I I don't know how to term it. It, It's acoustic. It it is, they're using more subdued. It's way more subdued than Immigrant Song, obviously. So I thought it was weird to go from Immigrant Song to that. Because they get me so far up and then, boom take me way down and then we come back up a little bit because the next track celebration day um actually this one was written by john paul jones as the lead writer which was interesting to me because most of them jimmy page or robert plant are your writers and i actually really like celebration day so this album is an up and down it's one of those up and down albums where they'll bring you up and get the energy up and then they'll bring it way down and they'll bring it up and then bring it down because Celebration Day, like I said, that has quite a bit of energy in it. And then they drop all the energy down to a, one of my personal favorite Led Zeppelin songs, actually. Since I've been loving you, Traditional Blues. Traditional Blues. I mean, great song. But once again, just up and down, up and down, up and down. And then the only song on the album that I think is not good is Out on the Tiles. I'm just not a fan of that one. That was the end of side one. Just, I just don't care for it. I think it's filler. Uh, then you go to the side two. You get Gallows Pole. I mean, I'm really familiar with Gallows Pole. I mean, if you're a big Led Zeppelin fan, you're probably familiar with it. Otherwise, probably not. I'd say it's one of their lesser known hits. Maybe. Um, it's good. It's acoustic driven. It is um, based on a tra- traditional folk song. They've just changed it a little bit. Well, then you get into Tangerine. That's another ballad. I mean, as much of a ballad as Led Zeppelin does. It's a really good ballad. I will will say that. And another, the next song, I mean, it's, it's, I would call it filler too, but I like it more than Out on the Tiles. And that's, that's the way. I just kind of skip over it. I skip through it. I mean, I listen to it, but it just kind of is there because I th- I'm excited to get to the next track, which <laughs> is Bronier Stomp. That's, uh, other than Immigrant Song, that's probably the best song on the album. I would say that. And then what the hell is Hats Off to Roy Harper? <laughs> I didn't go, I didn't go back and, and tr- bring it backward, you know, what, because it's back mask I didn't forward mask it or whatever you want to call that I didn't reverse it but I want to know what it is <laughs> because that's all it is right it's him him it's um Robert Plant's vocals are spoken through a vocoder I do know that so that makes them weird 
but it's the weirdest. Like, what is that? That uh, is. I'm gonna turn it over to you. I'm, I'm gonna turn it over to you. Yeah, I'm gonna turn it over to you and and get your thoughts on on the songs, and then we can star rate it. All right. Well, I mean, you know, obviously, I love Zeppelin, and I have heard this album before. I'm not as familiar with it as I am Thor. Obviously, Four has the huge hit hits, but still, this is, after all, Zeppelin. Immigrant song, great way to open the album because immediately I am completely captivated. It's actually one of my favorite Zeppelin songs. Robert Plant is just an amazing vocalist. That scream, it's not a normal scream. It's almost Banshee-like, but it you know, not piercing or annoying, just otherworldly. It's fantastic. And of course, Jimmy Page, John Paul Jones, and John Bonham are all also absolutely spectacular. They're just a great band. And that is a great song. So, that one, you know, I just really love that song, so I had to throw that out there. It is a little different than the rest of the album, but I like the other stuff, too. You know, I like since I've been loving you, it is bluesier than the rest, but again, in a very good way. I feel like it kind of shows their range. They can do that too. And the drums, I thought, really shined on that one, so I appreciate that. I was also already familiar with Bronger Stomp, Tangerine, and Gallows Pole, all three. And I like those. Tangerine, I think, is clearly a precursor to Stairway to Heaven. I'll just say that. It had a similar sound to the guitar in it, so I like that about it. That kind of gets me excited. I'm gonna say it gets me excited to hear more Led Zeppelin, but let's be honest, I was already and have always been excited to hear more Led Zeppelin, because they are amazing. I do know that this album was a little bit of a departure from the sound they had previously been known for, And they caught some flack for that, but I also know that in retrospect, it's been seen as both very good and very important to their development of of a band. And obviously, I've said already that I liked several of the songs. Those are the only ones that I have specific notes about. I agree there is some filler, but it's still better than filler from other bands. Let's just put it that way. So, I'll turn it back to you and we'll talk about our ratings. I'm sure everyone hears click, 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 and then my dog <laughs> over here. He said he couldn't set up here anymore because he didn't want to hear about Led Zeppelin any longer, I guess. He's listened to it enough What's lately. wrong with you, King? He's listened to it enough lately, I guess. But, no such thing. Uh, now, like I said, uh, I feel like... This is the next progression for Led Zeppelin. Because like when you look at Led Zeppelin 2, there's three really good songs. Four, really. But three real big ones. Well, this is the same thing. But they get, they're get they a little bit bigger. <laughs> and then you get into like Led Zeppelin 4, and then it's like, all of a sudden, it's just like it, everything hit. We're not going backwards. We're not going backwards. But if you would compare this to Whole Lot of Love, The Lemon Song, Heartbreaker, and Ramble On, 
that's on Led Zeppelin too. When you say it's comparable to this album, it's just a different style. Yeah. It's just it's just Led Zeppelin being Led Zeppelin. They're both great. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that just goes to show Led Zeppelin. It's going to be at least four stars anytime they get together and make an album. Like I said, Led Zeppelin four. That's a five star. You know what? This is four and a half. Almost. Almost. Didn't quite make it. But what did you give it? Yeah, I agree. Like I said, while they did catch some flack you know, from contemporary critics in retrospect, which is how we are looking at it, it's been seen as very good and very important to their development, and I completely agree with that. No, it's not as good as Led Zeppelin 4, because that is pretty much just the pinnacle of music. But this is still up there. You know, Led Zeppelin is always great, and I agree with you. This is four and a half stars for me as well. Oh, I can't wait for my daughter to come in here. I'm recording and try. She's going to be trying to be quiet. And Kingston has settled. He has laid his fat butt on her pillow. And he's snuggled <laughs> up with her blanket. So Aww. this is going to be fun. We'll see how this goes. But yeah, um, great Led Zeppelin album. I definitely recommend everyone check it out. You know, don't get let my slight criticism sway <laughs> you from it. Not like I think it, it would. Yeah, I but, mean, it's still Zeppelin. You know, even while yeah. you're saying it's not as good as 4, you're still saying it's Zeppelin. Yeah. But, you know, I think we're going to take a quick break because we have two segments back-to-back. It's going to be weird this week because normally they're split up. Not the way we have it. We have Amy's All Alone coming up. And then we're just going to transition right into Jeff's Just Jamming. And I think uh, my album is actually surprisingly way better than what your album's going to be. I don't know. I'm not going to. I'm not even going to tell everyone what our albums are. Just stay tuned because we're going to take a quick break. And then Amy's going to be all alone. After these messages, we'll be right back. It's Amy again, and this is Amy's All Alone, week 21, I think. I'm recording this before we record the actual show, so I honestly don't even remember. It's just been that kind of, well, year, really. Anyway, I am talking about Bob Dylan's New Morning this week. I've made no secret of the fact that I'm not really a Bob Dylan fan. I like his songwriting but I don't like his voice much. And this one, which is his 11th album, it was popular because his nasal tone was, you know, quote, back. It had been subdued in some of the previous releases. Ugh. But it wasn't too bad. First of all, this album came out October 19th, 1970. Most of the album is fine. Musically, it's actually pretty good. I still don't care much for his voice. 
but I didn't think it was as bad here as it has been in some other recordings. It's nasally, but there isn't as much scoop to it, which is what really annoys me. The first two songs I thought were actually pretty good. The first track is If Not For You. That was the only single, and you know, it makes sense, it was also the most commercially successful song off the album, but that's because probably it was the only single. That one was also recorded by George Harrison. I haven't had a chance to listen to that yet, but I really want to hear that version because I love George Harrison. It was also covered by Olivia Newton-John in 1971 and Brian Ferry in 2007 on his Dylan cover album, Dylan-esque. The second track I also kind of enjoyed. That one is called Day of the Locusts. It's about receiving an honorary doctorate in music from Princeton University, apparently. He wasn't really comfortable with that experience and ended up writing this song about it, but I just thought it was kind of catchy. On the opposite side of the coin, If Dogs Run Free, that song is just flat terrible. Skip that one if you listen to this album. It was terribly annoying. I really hated that one. Also, and this is not good or bad, just something I wanted to note, the song The Man In Me reminded me of Ooh La La by The Faces. I love that song by The Faces, even though I couldn't identify it at the time and had to ask my husband Luke to help me figure out what song Bob Dylan was reminding me of. But just an interesting note on that one. So, you know, there are good things about the album. There are also bad. The good does slightly outweigh the bad on this one, I think. I also want to point out that this album was co-produced by and features Al Cooper on organ, piano, electric guitar, and French horn. I reviewed Al Cooper earlier this year, and I was super impressed by him, so I have no doubt that he made this album better. Russ Kunkel also played drums on it. I mentioned him specifically because he has played on some of the other albums we've already reviewed this year, including James Taylor's Sweet Baby James, B.B. King's Indiana and Mississippi Seeds, and Joni Mitchell's Ladies of the Canyon, all of which got good reviews. And he plays on an album by the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band that we're going to be talking about in just a minute. He also worked on several of the big albums that came out in 1971. Carol King's Tapestry, Joni Mitchell's Blue, huge albums like that. He also had a cameo in This Is Spinal Tap, after which he supposedly actually joined Spinal Tap. So, kind of an interesting guy there. Anyway, this isn't Bob Dylan's best work. It's not. He has some good songs, and I do like some of his songs. This isn't his best. None of it made a lasting impression on me. But, as I said before, the good in this does slightly outweigh the bad, so it is better than mediocre. Therefore, for me, this gets a 3.5 star rating. If you like Bob Dylan, definitely give it a listen. If you're neutral on him, still give it a listen. Because it really isn't bad, and I say that as someone who isn't a huge fan. So, yeah, just check it out and let us know what you think. Alright, that's all I have to say about Bob Dylan's New Morning. So I think we're probably going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back to talk about some more albums for this week. 
What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another exciting episode of Jeff's Just Jamming. You know, I always say it's exciting. You know what it is? It is an exciting episode this week. And one thing I have to think about, I haven't given you guys a term yet. Are you going to be my jammers? It sounds dorky. It sounds nerdy. It sounds cheesy. Sounds like that's what it's going to be. <laughs> No, seriously, if anyone has any ideas, you can reach me at Chord Chronicles. We'll come up with something fun. But I've said enough. I've rambled on enough. That's another podcast. But this week, I'm going to talk about something that I was actually dreading going into, if I'm being perfectly honest with you. I'm going to talk about a Frank Zappa album. And people that know me know that, I mean, I hate Mothers of Invention. I mean, you guys, have, if you've listened to our episodes, we just do not care for it. So that's what I thought going into this. It was going to be just more of that. I don't want to say crap. I mean, some of it is. But a lot of it's just experimentation. Experimental jazz. Just funny. Some of it bad jokes. You know, kind of like me. <laughs> so maybe that's why I'm starting to like it. Well, this particular Frank Zappa album came out October 23rd, 1970. And it is Chunga's Revenge. Well, you know, I don't know who Chunga is, but I'm just going to tell you this. This is an eclectic album. I mean, once again, it is Frank Zappa, so you know you're going to get something eclectic. But normally, when I'm thinking Frank Zappa and eclectic, I'm not really excited about it. But in this particular instance, very excited about it. I'm just going to briefly go through a few of the tracks that I think are worth mentioning. Most of this is really good. Well, it starts out with Transylvania Boogie, and that's actually a guitar jam. So it's just all instrumental. Really awesome. Just a really cool vibe. I strongly urge everyone to check that one out. I really like Road Ladies. It's like a bluesy, just a journey. A short little bluesy journey. Uh, there's a jazz interlude, 20 Small Cigars. Um, I really like that. It, like I said, eclectic, because you're going from a guitar jam to some blues to some jazz. And then there's like a, it's like a live improvisation, uh, Nancy and Mary music. I didn't care for that as much, but um, it does flow really well. A lot of this album is, like I said, filled full of jokes in a way some of it you know is tongue-in-cheek um there is an another well quite a few instrumentals the anytime there's vocals in this it's pretty much frank zappa and it's good it's really good he does have some um off-color jokes throughout it <laughs> and he does mention rape once uh, he's just going for the shock value you just have to really just look at it like that that's what he's doing he's just trying to get a response and i'm sure back then it is this album if i didn't mention it before is actually his only his third solo album so in his first uh like solo album of 1970 from what i can tell and if his stuff going forward is anything like this i'm really excited to see what he has to, you know to offer on a side note, it's really interesting that 
I'm reviewing this album. Well, I mean, it's probably because it's 50 years, but there is going to be a Frank Zappa uh, documentary coming out, and it looks really good. I don't think it's out yet, but I did see like some some things about it. I read about it and like saw like a short preview thing, and I mean Frank Zappa was a at that time I call it modern day. At that time, a modern day Mozart. Yes, he had the off-color jokes and sometimes he had the just weird out there stuff. He's eclectic. But he is a musical genius and probably just a genius just when you, you know, get right down to it. But this album is the first appearance you're going to see uh, Turtles members Flo and Eddie. The first time you're going to see them on a Zappa record. I think they become more prevalent. And, um, like I said, this is controversial because it shifts away from the political commentary that he was going for with the, his 1960s stuff and, like, some of the Mothers of Invention and more less, less of the jazz fusion stuff. So, it was really interesting. And I don't want to get too bogged down in it and I don't want to drone on about it. But I was, like I said, I was pleasantly surprised when I put this on. And usually I'll play it, not always, but I'll play for my daughter to make sure I have someone else's point of view. To make sure if I'm just not, you know, exceptionally excited about something that, you know, it's not for no reason. You know, there is a reason for it. Well, she liked a lot of this as well. So that tells me that this is a good album. Now, I don't know what the professional music critics... <laughs> I don't know what they rated it. Um, I don't know what Frank Zappa really gets, but I mean, a lot of times he gets unfavorable ratings, but then everyone talks about what a genius he is. So you explain it to me, because I don't get it either. But um, I am going to tell you, uh, there is one single from this album. I forgot to mention it. It's Tell Me You Love Me. That song's really good. Uh, check that one out. Just put this whole album on. It's really good. It takes you on a music musical journey. And um, really, that's, that's really all I can say about it. And I guess we've reached the point of the segment that everyone, well, maybe everyone, has been waiting for. You know, going into this, I thought Frank Zappa was going to give me about two stars. Surprisingly enough, this is a four-star album. Four stars, and it may be closer to four and a half. It's that good. So, as soon as everyone gets a chance, because I know people are busy, and there's lots of music, check out Frank Zappa, Chunga's Revenge. I don't think you'll regret it. I think you're really going to like it. With that being said, oh, I had to throw it in there on you guys. <laughs> um, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to have more music. Because you know what? The music never stops, and neither do I. Enjoy.
All right, we're back. You know, we've still got some good albums to talk about, at least a couple. And I couldn't believe how good that Frank Zappa album is. I, I mean, couldn't believe it. Going into it, I was so just dreading it. After what we went through with the Mothers of Invention, <laughs> <laughs> I, and I know. I know Frank Zappa is... A lot of people will see him as a musical genius. I just have never delved into it because it's so odd sometimes. Well, I'm glad I did. Because I'm, I'm interested to find out if he's done anything else good like that. When he does solo. But, um... This isn't Frank Zappa. We're actually getting into another band that I'm a huge fan of. Always been a huge fan of. Whatever incarnation of the band it is. And this is a different one. Probably than what you're used to hearing. Yeah. So, actually, we're going to talk about Trespass by Genesis. And that came out October 23rd, 1970. So, what, we're just barely a month behind? Yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> we're getting there, so. We're creeping up on it. Now, I had already been steered toward older Genesis by Rick Morgan, friend of the podcast. So, I've. I actually went back and listened to this and their next album. So I guess I cheated <gasps> a little bit. You are <gasps> cheating! Oh. That's for next year. <sighs> but this is their second studio album. And interestingly enough, it's their last album with their guitarist Anthony Phillips and the only one with John Mayhew as drummer. <laughs> There's no Phil Collins on this. And every time I think of... I mean, every time I think of Genesis, I think Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins. Yeah. I mean, really, that's the two big names, really, when I'm thinking of them. Yeah. And that's not to say anything, yeah. anything against the other artists. The other artists are amazing in Genesis. Yeah, I like Mike Rutherford think, a lot, too. I like Anthony Phillips on here. I like, you know, this whole album, actually. I like I like the, all the music on this album. This album is prog rock. Prog folk, <laughs> in a way, it, it's hard to put it in a box. In a way, that's why it's progressive, though. That's that's it. Kind of you know helps it to be. It's it's a little different. I will say that it's this is different than most of the other Genesis albums too. This is more of a transition for them, and like the professional critics have absolutely panned this. And I don't get it because I, I think it's decent. And I'm not going to go on record. I'm not going to say this is the best, but I'd say a lot of this would play well on the stage because this is like a very like the writing's intimate. The writing is very intimate. Like like Peter Gabriel, like Visions of Angels. He's very intimate and open about himself. It's poetry, and this this is theatrical poetry put to LP vinyl. This is what I would call this. So this is more art. <laughs> so and maybe this art didn't resonate with whatever critic reviewed it at the time. They didn't see it for that. But that that's what I see it as. So I mean, you have to really delve into the lyrics and everything too. So now, does that make it uh, the most enjoyable thing that we've listened to this week? Certainly not. But the writing 
is the most complex of anything we, we will listen to this week. I'll say that. And intelligent. Even more so than the Pink Floyd songs, because think about it. We had a lullaby. We had Summer of 68. Writing was okay on that. I'm not going to say it's bad. But that was about it for the Pink Floyd album. Well, the Led Zeppelin songs, there's nothing groundbreaking there. They're all good. And it's fun. But there's no, like, solid writing. It's not, you know, there's no poetry on that. <laughs> it's a different <laughs> style of writing. Yeah. That's what this is. So, you know, that's what I would, I want to say caution everyone, but that's the expectation going into this that you should have. This is more theatrical. You know, Peter Gabriel, not, not rocking. <laughs> He's not, but I love Peter Gabriel. So I, I really wish I would have gotten to see this on stage, especially The Knife. I, there's only, there's only like six songs on this album. It is short. I will say that too. Like, very short album. I would have been really disappointed if I bought it. Because, you know, the tracks, some of the tracks are long. I mean, all the tracks are decently length. Maybe a little long, but it is progressive. You gotta expect that. Which is why you probably don't like it as much as I do. But, I thought the best song on the album's Visions of Angels. I really liked it. But, more more people know this because of the knife. They performed that, that in concert quite a bit. It was a concert favorite, from what I've heard. And I did watch a concert of them, and they performed it, and it was cool. Uh, their concert performance, the, like the the stage presence that they would always go, like they would change it, but it was very theatrical. So a lot of this would translate better to a live performance too. But. Like I say, there's only six songs, so there's not really much more I can say about it other than I'm sure I liked it better than you did because you don't like Prong like that. So I'd say this is a really important album, and I think all music... I'm going to use my cuss word. All music? Don't look at that review because that review is full of shit. They gave it like two stars. Now, this is not a two-star album. Come on now. This is not a two-star album. But, um... I'm going to go ahead and let you talk about it. You can give your stars even if you want. And then I'll come back in and tell everyone what's right about it. <laughs> hey, you haven't even heard my review yet. What if I agree with you? <laughs> you don't. <laughs> you don't. I do know, and I knew that you really liked this one. It was the one that I was the most underwhelmed with this week. It's not because it's Prague. Because I have nothing against Prague. I like it when it's done well. I just didn't think that this was all... Evidently not. I didn't think... Oh! Are you done yet? Sorry. <laughs> no, never. The music never stops, and neither do I. I didn't think this was all that interesting. Yeah. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not panning this album. I'm not. No. It wasn't bad. And I don't want to give that impression. It is art rock. I think it's even listed as art rock, maybe, on... Um, on Wikipedia. And that kind of stuff is very subjective. For me, it seemed a little like they were trying a little too hard to be deep and profound. Maybe I'm just cynical. <laughs> but it seemed like they were trying a little too hard. But individually, everybody is very technically skilled. So, all of the individual parts were really, really good. 
I just didn't think it came together into a particularly interesting final cohesive product. But I do like Genesis, and I like several of the members on their own, on their solo projects. This early stuff just doesn't really grab me. I don't think this was their best lineup. I did feel like the songs were a little too long. They weren't that long. Honestly, they weren't. Most of them were around six minutes, I think. But that still felt a little too long for me. Um, and I hated the song Dusk. I have to throw that one out there. That's the one in particular that I will mention. Because it has that chimey little bell sound that just made me cringe and shudder. Hated that. I don't believe it's Dusk. There's one song where Peter Gabriel comes in a little bit with some flute. And I like his style of flute playing. <laughs> it's not like Jethro Tull. Right. <laughs> yeah, he played... Oh, what was the other one that he played on? That surprised me because I didn't know he played flute. It was something we reviewed early this year. But... Oh, I, I can't remember. I know <laughs> that... Well, well, he plays accordion also. Which was interesting. Yeah. Uh, like... Like, every one of these, the members of Genesis, play multiple instruments. Except for John Mayhew. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's just drums and And he only lasted until the end of this album, so... <laughs> That's why. <laughs> no, like I said, every member does seem to be very skilled and very good at what they do. And several of them did have successful solo careers, all of which I enjoy. You know, Peter Gabriel, obviously went on to great success. Mike Rutherford had success as Mike and the Mechanics, and obviously Phil Collins, who isn't even with the band yet at this point, but he's been huge. So I do really want to be clear that I am not saying that they are no good. I just don't care for this particular lineup, I think. I don't think it is their best work. I think they could do better. But this, well, do. <laughs> this is the last album before Phil Collins joined the band, so I am interested to listen to next year's Nursery Crime and see what kind of effect his presence has, because I do love Phil Collins. You know, I know it's still going to be prog, and that's fine. Like I said, I have nothing against prog. I like it when it's done well. Mm-hmm. You know, I just felt like this one was uninspiring to me. You know, I think it just... It's not two stars. It's not two stars. No, it is not. I just didn't think that it came together the way they intended. So for me, it is three stars. That's okay, because with my four stars that I'm going (laughs) to give it, that helps it equal out to a three and a half, because the production on this is exquisite. (laughs) So for me, it was a three and a half, and it gets a three and a half. You know, it gets the half star bump for the production. See, I didn't completely pan it. No, it's not, but it's it's stupid, two, two stars from uh, all music. So that's how you know you can't trust, if you uh, if you look at the all music professional reviews, that's how you know you can't trust it. Kind of like, like Rotten Tomatoes or anything like that. You can't hardly trust, like the professional, here we, I am paying an art, we're doing the same thing. <laughs> but we're more, we're more from the common person's perspective though, um. I think. There is nothing common about us. Let me just throw that out there. Well, we're, we're exquisite. <laughs> we're we're uh, stupendous and every, all that, too. But but um, I think our views do you know, go more in line with someone who's not the professional. Because I, every time I've gone to, like, some of these, you know, all music or 
in the music critics to try to look at what they say about something, I'm just like, what? Are you serious? You're comparing it to that? It's nothing like that. Just, you know, I don't want to throw out any examples or call anybody out right now, but I just say, I will say that, like, if you go to all music, you'll see that the, the hit, like, Genesis has, like, two stars or something like that. This Trespass album, it's not. It's definitely not two stars. When you look at the community review of it, it's four stars. Like, people mean, give it five, they give it four. So, like the consensus said, from them is, you know. Like I said, art is very subjective. And even the professional critics, you know, they are just stating their opinion. So it might be a so-called educated opinion, but it's still just an opinion. It's not the end-all, be-all. And, you know, we have one more album to talk about this week. And I've been stalling because... It deserves a little <laughs> bit of space away from Genesis Trespass because it's better than that. We can agree about that. I guess that's a subjective, really, because I've already listened to this album a long time ago. So, <laughs> because we had this, we had the date on it wrong. I don't remember how long ago it was. I think it was back in, I think we had it as a March release originally. Maybe so, and I don't believe you made you had made it to it yet, and discovered that it was actually came out late October of 1970. We have, yeah, I had already listened to it at that point before oh, I figured you, okay. it out. So, well, so you already knew of its greatness as well. We can say that. Well, I guess I've stalled enough about it. Something I never, not never, thought I would say, but much like Glenn Campbell, I never thought I would be like, wow. I'm really excited. This is Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, Uncle Charlie and his dog Teddy. Now, I mean, I'm familiar with Nitty Gritty Dirt Band in name only. Maybe some of their '80s stuff. You definitely more. know some of their '80s stuff because Mom and I definitely listen to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, 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 no, I, I like it. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I, like I dislike it or hate it, but that's really what I know is more of '80s. This is not that. This is bluegrass, a lot of it. Some of it is classical, like a couple classical pieces set to bluegrass in a way. Like classical grass, I guess, is what it would be. <laughs> I don't know. Now, there, there were three singles from this album, and I'd heard of all three of them. And I just was surprised. I didn't know. I just didn't associate one of them especially now <laughs> one of them I know most people know who doesn't know Mr. Bojangles Mr. Bojangles awesome song it's, it's actually not well it's actually not their song no it's Jerry Jeff Walker yeah which I always associated with Nitty Gritty Dirt Band I I never did even know it was a cover <laughs> so and he actually died earlier this year I believe yeah, and I want to go back now and listen to his version because I still haven't. And I probably I may have heard it and just didn't realize that I want to compare it. I mean, Nitty Gritty Dirt Band made it their own. It's great. It's a great song. It's a folk. I would say it's folk song. It's good. Just good music. Uh, now the next song, actually, I think there were only two singles. I thought there were three, but. House at Pooh Corner. 
<laughs> Just like it states, it is about Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> and there actually, there's a reason behind that, but it, this song's written by Kenny Loggins. I didn't know that. I thought that was pretty cool. But, um, I can't remember. One of the members of the band suffered from polio when he was younger. And he, because he had, had to stay inside quite a bit, he read all of the Winnie the Pooh series books and had a, like a, a really strong affinity. And I had that note, but I can't find it right now. That he had a really strong affinity toward Winnie the Pooh, so wanted to perform that song. Hey, more power to him. It's a great song. So I like it. Now, I mean, if I'm going to go through these, it's an interesting album. Like I said, it's, it's some of it's bluegrass, some of it's like classical music, like with a bluegrass flair to it. Some of it is folk. It's just all over the place, but it's good. Every different style that they put on here is good, but I would say it, it does suffer from a lack of focus. Mostly it's bluegrass, but not all of it. Uh, I like some of Shelley's Blues, which is actually a Michael Nesmith song. From the monkeys and I thought that was really good I, I think I have heard Michael Nesmith sing some of Shelley's blues or maybe sing but I heard the monkeys did they perform it um, I have heard another version of it I haven't heard it but that doesn't mean that they didn't I thought I'd heard another version of this but I may be wrong maybe it only is and I just heard you know maybe it is nitty-gritty dirt band and I've just heard another version of it they performed I don't know but I just remember hearing it before so it sounded familiar. I'm a big fan of it. Honestly, this album is the kind of album you need to... You really need to listen to the whole thing. It's hard to point out particular songs because there's an ebb and flow throughout the whole thing. It's... I don't want to say it's progressive, but it does have ebbs and flows in it. And it takes you on a journey and it, it's an intimate... It's like a really intimate portrait. Because they're, they're checking in with, uh, with family. Because Uncle Charlie is, he was related, I think it was William McQuinn, the producer. I believe that's who he was related to. This stuff, but I know it's incorrectly stated in some of the, the liner notes and everything when that was recorded. Because it was actually recorded, those parts were recorded like in 1963. Like further back than what they originally thought. So... Before even before the band formed, so no. Okay, Uncle Charlie was a relative of Bill McEwen's wife. Ah, so yeah, there you go. So yeah, it, so I mean, it is. It's a, it's, it's an intimate. They put their family on there, so which I thought was kind of cool. It gave it that little bit of of special touch. I mean, there's lots of covers. <laughs> there's lots of covers. Lots of, like Kenny Loggins. I couldn't believe Kenny Loggins had such a hand in, like, this album. He's not a member of Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. That I could tell. He's not on the personnel, which I, you know, I didn't think so either. But, look, one, two, what? There's at least three songs on here that are that are Kenny Loggins songs, including House at Pooh Corner, Yukon Railroad, Prodigal's Return. I mean, there's a Randy Newman song. That's Living Without You. Um, Swanee River. So you have Stephen Foster. You have a little bit of classical there. I really like Opus 36 Clement Clementi. 
That is classical piece, but they performed it on the banjo on this album. And whew, pardon me if I mess it up. I think it's Muzio Clementi. It was a composer. It's Italian com composer from the 1700s. From what I could tell, it's really cool to hear a classical piece performed on the banjo, almost in a bluegrass style. I thought that was really cool. And like I already said, there's a Michael Nesmith song. Well, there's more than one Michael Nesmith song because propinquity, which I had to look that word up. Propinquity. Do you know what that means? Um, yeah, but it's not one that I could like tell you the definition of. It's one of those where I just like being, understand. <laughs> being close to, in the proximity of. Propinquity. I had to look it up. I'm not lying. I, um... I like this album tremendously. I like the Randy Lynn Rag, Earl Scruggs song. That's, um... Just a fun song. There is a part in here where they brought people in the studio to cheer and be rowdy. It fits in it, though. Now, our family is from Eastern Kentucky. They didn't ever really, they never really listened to bluegrass. Like, but when I listen to this music, I really associate it with the hollers and and stuff like that, and getting together and just celebrating and having a good time. And that's what this album really kind of brought to me. And you know, maybe that's why I was drawn to it so much. But I'm a big fan of it. And I'm going to turn it over to you and just see what you have to say about it. Alright. See how badly you pan it before I can tell everyone how good it is again. No. <laughs> I'm not going to pan at it. I'm coming at this from a slightly different perspective than you are. Because I did already know a little bit about Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. You know, I already knew some of their music and I like it. So I do have a slightly different perspective than you do. So... Most of my notes, well, actually all of my notes, are from when I listened to this earlier in the year. So I actually have notes for every song, because that was when we were still going song by song. So I'm just going to run through those real fast. First song is Summer Shelley's Blues. That's the Michael Nesmith one that you mentioned. I thought it was pretty good. It was more country than I expected, but not in a bad way. They are a country band, but... Not entirely so. This one was just a little farther to that side than I expected. Number two, Prodigal's Return, is one of the Kenny Loggins songs on here. That was more of what I expected on the type of music. And I thought it was catchy. Not great, still kind of so-so, but catchy. Um, the next song, The Cure, very country slash bluegrass again, but I liked it. I could imagine my friend's bluegrass band playing that song so you know, I enjoyed that one number four traveling mood I really like the beginning of that one I thought it was really catchy the accent bothered me you know you know how sensitive I am to you know, accents and you know, different sounds but the music was really it good it was real though <laughs> it was a real accent though I don't know I didn't fake it something <laughs> are exaggerated. I felt like that one was a little exaggerated. Uh, track 5, Chicken Reel. That's a traditional song. The, <laughs> yeah, I love it. The music was good. 
I didn't care for the chicken noises, not surprisingly. <laughs> didn't like that, but I liked the music on it. Track 6, Yukon Railroad. Like you said, that's another Kenny Loggins one. You know, that one was a foot tapper. I liked it. I really love the fiddle in it. Number 7 is the Randy Newman, Living Without You. And I recognize that one. I appreciate that they slowed down the pace a little bit right here. You know, so I like that one as well. Um, 8, Clinch Mountain Backstep. That was an instrumental with very traditional instruments. And I thought that one was good. Now track 9 is Ravon. It's a cover of the Buddy Holly song. So that one was totally different. I know the original. Mm -hmm. And I really like the original. I like Buddy Holly a lot. I thought it was an okay cover. But I do think the original is much, much better. Track 10... Billy in the Low Ground. That one was really short. Um, it was okay. There's just not much to it. Track 11, which is actually side 2, track 1. It's another traditional one, Jesse James. You know, other than the words in that one, that one almost sounded like gospel. It just had that sort of flair to it. Then you have the first of the Uncle Charlie interviews. You know, I like the concept of that one. I'm a historian, and this is basically oral history. So, I appreciate that. Now, the next track, Mr. Bojangles. You've already said just about all there is to say about that. It's Mr. Bojangles. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome song. <laughs> I love that song. It's great music, lyrics that have just the right amount of sadness. It's just good. Um, then, like you said, Opus 36, Clementi. I liked that one as well. It almost reminded me of video game music, which is strange, but you know, I could imagine a mini cover of that song used in a video game. <laughs> the next one is Santa Rosa, another Kenny Loggins one. I like the harmonica in it. I didn't think there was... I don't love it. I thought it was okay. There's nothing special about it, but I like the harmonica. That's the only thing mm. that's special about it. Uh, then, Propinquity, like you said, Michael Nesmith. That one was, you know, again, kind of standard country music. I liked it, but it didn't really stand out to me. Uh, then, Uncle Charlie. You know, but not an interview. An actual song. That one had a harmonica focus. And I appreciate, I appreciate that they were letting the different instruments shine. You know, I agree, that one was good. You know, I do like harmonica, so... And I do like the idea of them just focusing on different instruments. So then moving on to the next track, the Randy Lynn Rag, which is Earl Scruggs, like you said. He's a banjo player. This was a banjo-focused jam session. And again, great work on that vocal instrument. The next track was House at Pooh Corner. Like you said, Kenny Loggins. Different style than the previous several songs. It was more light rock singer-songwriter style. You know, what you would expect from Kenny Loggins. I'm actually not a huge fan of that one. It's good, but it's not great. You know, it, it just felt a little odd to me. It was okay. And I have heard it before. But it's not the best off the album, I'll just put it that way. Now, track 10 on side 2 is Swanee River. Like you said, Stephen Foster. Just a, Awful. Just a quick harmonica cover of the Stephen Foster classic. I thought it was good. I did think it was good, but there wasn't much to say about it. It's just a you know, harmonica rendition of that song. 
Not a fan of Stephen Foster. Well, I'm not a fan of Stephen Foster either, but <laughs> there's no words in this one. It's just the harmonica. Yeah. And then... I like his rap. I like Stephen Foster's rap songs, but not his classical. And that one, the Swanee River, that's only 36 <laughs> seconds long, so there really isn't much to say about it because there's not much to it. And then the last track was the second Uncle Charlie interview slash Spanish Fandango, which is traditional. It is a nice concept, and the interview was interspersed with a couple of brief musical interludes that were good, but I did think the first interview section, which featured more harmonica, was better than this second one. So, those are my notes on each of the songs. And I'll go ahead and say, I thought it was fairly good, but... Most of it didn't stand out above the rest of it to me, with Mr. Bojangles being the exception. That one does stand out a lot. But the rest of it was pretty on par with itself. Um, I like the... I mean, it seems just personal. Throwing Uncle Charlie throughout. I like when he's messing with uh, Teddy the dog, getting him to sing. <laughs> I thought that was I thought that was kind of funny. I like the I idea, the but you know that the actual sound of it kind of got to me a little. Oh, I love him. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> now, there are a couple pretty cool extra tracks on, on the the CD re- release, like the reissue. I think it's on Spotify, so I believe I went up just listening to all of it. Uh, Mississippi Rain, and then What Goes On, a Beatles song. Yep. And that's that's really good. It's a good cover, but um, I don't know. I like this. I'm not a huge fan of bluegrass. It's not like my go-to, but I thought it was pretty good. And the production's really good. All the instruments really sound perfect in it. Nothing's on top of one another. I mean, even the recordings from Uncle Charlie. I mean, there's some crackle in the audio, but it sounds pretty clear. You know, I could hear everything in it. So I gave it uh, that little half star, and that gets it for me up to four stars. For me, this was four stars. But what did you give it? I would say that's fair, because again, I don't do the, the half star bump. And what I really wanted to give it is three and three quarters, but of course we don't do the quarter star. So I gave it three and a half because most of it didn't stand out. But that's okay, because our scores... Will combine and average out to a three and three quarters. And if it was just Mr. Bojangles, that one is by far the best on the album. That would get a much higher score just for that song. And I actually like House at Food Corner. I thought it was cool. I, th- I think I like that it's different. It just gives it a little different, but it does suffer. This album does suffer from a lack of focus. I will say that, but it just shows that they can do many things well. Yeah. For me. I mean, I am a fan of Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. I don't think most of this is as good as what I know they can do. So, that does affect my score a little bit. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to have lots of fun editing this audio, guys, because I have trucks going by. and Yeah, I could hear that one. Kingston <laughs> running around and all that. So, it's going to be awesome. But, it has been a good week of music. Um, I don't know that it's been the strongest week, but... Um, averaged out, it's one of the stronger weeks, I would say, for us. Um, 
I, you know, obviously not going to top the, the same week that we had Jackson 5 and uh, I don't remember who it was we had with Jackson 5, but we had, it was like three albums that week that were all was that almost like right at four and a half stars. <laughs> was that the same week so, we had Sabbath and Deep Purple? <laughs> it, it probably was. I cannot remember. There's too many albums, guys. But I am going to go ahead and throw out there real quick because it is getting late. The albums that we do have coming up next week on Chord Chronicles, we're going to be talking about Grateful Dead, American Beauty. It's a big one. I'm really familiar with, yeah, I'm familiar with that album already. I've listened to it. I'm not a huge Grateful Dead fan, but there are some songs on that album that are really good. So I'm excited for that. We're going to be talking about Diana Ross's Everything is Everything. Oh, God, is it over yet? Nope. Oh, my God, I'm so tired of... It's going to be good. It'll be good. I don't think it's going to be bad, but I'm just so burnt out on the Supremes and anything to do with them. Now, the next one, though. Um, the next album, David Bowie, The Man Who Sold the World. I'm familiar with that album as well, but not so much that I think I've sat down and listened to it. And it's been some time, so it'll be really exciting to revisit that one. And then finally, the, the album that we'll have together, Derek and the Dominoes. <laughs> Layla and other assorted love songs. Speaking of big so that's ones. That's a big one. Yeah, so that's a big one. And on Jeff's Just Jamming, I'm going to have Neil Diamond, Taproot Manuscript. I listen, let me just say, I've listened to that a little bit. Not his best work. Just kind of and just kind of there. Just kind of there. It's, it, it might be better than Neil Young. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good album. You were just wrong about that. <laughs> And on your Amy's All Alone, you're going to have Bad Finger, No Dice. And I'm glad you took that because the last album for me was No Dice. But I thought it was good and I already know some of the songs off of this one, so I'm excited about it. Maybe it will be better than the last one. We'll just throw that out there. So if everyone is following along, that is going to be coming up on next week's Chord Chronicles. So if you're listening along, there you go. That's your mission if you choose to accept it. <laughs> but it is a lot of music. Uh, like I said, I do did notice that it is getting late. So I just want to let everyone know I appreciate you listening. And I hope everyone is out there is staying safe, wearing your mask. I know I say it every time, but it's important. It's so important. You know, don't, don't let the fatigue of all of it just uh, make you stop doing it. Just stay vigilant and be kind to everyone and be patient because that's what it's going to require for us. To, you know, it is cliche, but we are going to have to get together to get through this, you know, we'll get through and not this. get together. Yep. We'll get through this together, <laughs> but not, uh, not hanging out together. Yeah. So. Virtually together. Yeah. So, but I hope everyone does have a nice week and we got lots of good music coming up and we got lots of good music, uh, some good music coming up on Off the Record. So stay tuned. And, you know, have a good week. <laughs>